My mom always used to say when she would preach, well, I, you know, I watched her. She used to be my youth pastor. Let's put it that way, which is not easy for a 13-year-old boy to have your mom as a youth pastor sometimes, but it was awesome. She did a really great job. Um, she used to always say that she was an easy crier, and you know, I don't preach often, but I always thought I wouldn't be, and we're going to find out tonight that that probably isn't the case. I probably cried just about as much. I might need those here in a minute, yeah. It's just, it's been a whole day. Thank you. Wow. It's been a whole day. Um, but hey, I'm honored to be here with you all tonight. I don't get out here on Wednesdays very often. I am, so if you don't know me, I'm Dion. I'm the worship pastor. Hey, Maria, what's up? What's up? What's up? I'm the worship pastor, one of the worship pastors here at Church on the North Coast. And uh, usually I'm up there singing and doing this. So this is kind of new territory, but I'm really honored and excited to be here and doing it. Um, so yeah, tonight I just wanted to share a little bit of my testimony and talk about the undivided heart. So we're going to get into this a little bit. We'll start by going into Proverbs 4.23. Anybody have a paper Bible here? Y'all just looking at me like, <laughs> read it. <laughs> nice, let's go. Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Beautiful verse. Let's read it again. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Now, the idea that we're going to talk about tonight is just how do we live with an undivided heart before the Lord? Let's pray before we get into this. Father, we appreciate the fact that you're here already, Lord. We feel your tangible presence in this room, Father. Right now, we just open up our hearts to you, Jesus. We just say we're available to your voice, Lord. We're available to you, Holy Spirit. We make room. We put aside the anxiety. We put aside the worry of the day. We just come before you wanting to hear from you, Jesus. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation come and fill the room right now. Bless the speaker, bless us tonight. Have your way, Jesus. Amen. So going back to this verse here, I looked up a little bit of the Hebrew with the phrase, your heart, because uh, that's what the preachers do. I don't know. Um, <laughs> what I found was your heart, I'm not going to be able to say it. We have that next slide there. Libbeka. It's my best attempt. But basically what that means, the definition in Hebrew is the heart the feelings, the will, the intellect, the center of us. Our, heart, our hearts are at the center of us. They dictate how we live, the choices we make, how we treat others, all flows from the same place, our heart. The problem is oftentimes, without even knowing, we project a false reality through the lens of our hearts. I like to look at this as like kind of like a, you know, dirty pair of glasses sometimes. <laughs> you know, you could see reality, but you're not catching all of it. Sometimes it's a little skewed. Sometimes there's a, there's a scuff or just some, you know, whatever that needs to get off of there. And just to explain this a little bit further, when I was in ministry school, and I'm going to tell a little bit more of my story about that tonight, but there is a, a leader whom I respected a lot named Gabe Valenzuela. And he, he used to say he, he was the leader of the school. So he would meet with thousands of students. This is a ministry school of maybe 3,000 3, students or so. And he, uh, he would meet with these students and he would tell them, you know, he would 
edify them, give them compliments, like tell them what he sees in their lives. He would say, hey, man, we, we see so much potential in you. We see what the Lord has for you. We see the plan God has for your life. And he would always stop and he'd say, now, what did you hear me say? And the student oftentimes would go, well, I heard you say I'm pretty garbage right now, but I'm going to be great later. <laughs> or he would say things like, hey, daughter, you look beautiful today. Now, what did you hear me say? And oftentimes that daughter would say, I heard you just tell me I looked ugly yesterday because <laughs> you gave me a compliment about how I look today. And it's just a great example of like, man, when people are even trying to be nice to you, it's not always easy to receive that. It's not always easy to just let your defenses down and let your heart actually take that in with a proper lens. And so we're going to talk about how to live with a heart that is undivided and learn how to clean up that lens tonight. Living with a heart that is undivided will produce two things or attributes in a believer. One being identity and two being authority. These are just two points we're going to talk about tonight. So getting into identity, I'm just going to tell a quick story again of our, um, my time in ministry school. Um, I started leading worship right when I had moved out there. So if some of you don't know, I moved to Redding, California, um, which is a ministry school out there, a church called Bethel. And I was 17 years old when I moved. I was a baby, a child living 20 or 2,000 miles away. It's crazy. Um, but I lived, uh, lived out there for a little while. I ended up leading worship in the first year of school, which is a huge honor. It was absolutely amazing. Um, we got to lead for roughly like 1,000 kids each and every day in school. So it was super exciting to be able to do that. And throughout my time doing that, saw incredible encounters with the Lord, saw the, the presence of the Lord manifest itself, much like tonight, which, by the way, was, was amazing as well. But just, just beautiful times with Jesus. We, we saw healings. We saw deliverances, manifestations of the Spirit. So it was just erect me. It changed me forever. But, you know, I think the position eventually kind of got to me. The position of being in leadership and eventually my heart was divided by this. I, at one point, towards the end of this, was fulfilled more by stages instead of the secret place. I was fulfilled more by my gifting than the, my true calling, which is to ministry to Jesus. I loved that thing in the, in the glory that it brought me. Now, I know I'm, I'm beating myself up here. This sounds really tough. <laughs> but... You know, if you were to talk to that kid, you wouldn't be like, wow, you're so arrogant. You know, I probably look, you know, appeared very humble and appeared very generous and kind. But there was a seed of pride within my heart, and it mattered more to me than the Lord did. And so what ended up happening by the grace of God, I moved into my second year of school, and I had this wonderful pastor who at the time I couldn't see was really wonderful. But he sat me down and he said, listen, man this is going to be a year for you to just chill. Like, you don't need to be doing anything on the stage. You don't need to, you don't need to be in, the, in the, the eyesight of anybody. You just need to be with the Lord this year. And it was really hard for me. It was incredibly painful. How many know sometimes he has to hide you so he can teach you? He has to take you under his wing and give you shelter so he can teach you and prepare you for the things he has for you. And for me, it was, it was difficult. I had, I, some, something had to die in me. That seed of pride had to die in me, and it was a painful death. I thought, you know, after my first year, I'm like, I'm going to be a Christian rock star, and everything's just going to go up and up and up, and we're going to go on tour, man. It's going to be awesome, you know, just stupid stuff, um, which all that's fine, but if it's in the right place in your heart, you know, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but that, that year was incredible for me. My pastor sat me down. He said, hey, you're not doing this. You need to, you need to take some time and grow. 
And in that year, I found my rhythms of intimacy that still ground me to this day. I found my identity in him again. Since then, that moment showed me who really fills me. Sure, I, I absolutely love leading worship. Every time you see me on stage, you're going to see me cheesing. You're going to see me doing this. I'm so happy. I get so excited when I do it. I love the Lord, and I love being in his presence. Um, but if I never did it again, you would still see me right there cheesing. You would still see me back there cheesing. If I was never up on that stage again, that, that season of life taught me that. It's, it's all about ministry to Jesus. It's all about ministry to his heart. It really doesn't matter who's in the room at the end of the day. I look exactly the same in my bedroom as I do. See, here I go, man, I'm freaking crying. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I look exactly the same in my bedroom, cheesing, jumping, you know, dancing with the Lord, loving his presence as I do in the front row or on the stage. It, it, it's nothing different. Nothing changes. And that season taught me that. I'm so grateful for it. It's the grace of God. So let's take a look at an example of this in the life of David. I got Psalms 51, 16 through 17. 51, 16 through 17. Now I'm going to start at verse 12, but I just wanted to highlight a couple of these. Verse 12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will, teach you, I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Un- unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. Now 16, you do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. Love this verse. It's so beautiful. And just, just some context here. This is the psalm that David wrote right after Nathan the prophet came to him and uh, basically confronted him of his sin of committing adultery with Bathsheba. So if you don't know the story, long story. He killed another man to take his wife, committed adultery. Egregious sin. Egregious sin. And this is in the Old, this is in the old uh, Testament uh, the old covenant is what I'm trying to say, context. And so you can imagine this idea of him saying, you do not desire sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want to burn offering. That is a radical idea in the Old Testament. That is radical for him to even pen that. But David had this idea of what was to come, which was intimacy with Jesus. That's what we have in this new covenant now. So he, had, he already knew he was close enough to the Lord to realize you don't want me to perform for you. You don't want me to write a show and do this public display of, no, you want my heart. You want a secret place, broken spirit, so you can minister to me. And I also wanted to just look at the, the Passion Translation. I love this. Same, same verse, but I just love this version. It says, for the source of your pleasure is not in my performance or the sacrifices I might offer to you. The fountain of your pleasure is found in the sacrifice of my shattered heart before you. You will not despise my tenderness as I bow humbly at your feet. Beautiful, beautiful words. I love it. His pleasure is our desire. That place of just surrendering to his pleasure is our desire, guys. Yeah, I like to think and equate, um, you know, the Old Testament, Old Testament sort of process of atonement where, if you committed a sin, you would kill an oxen, you would kill a goat, and you would offer um, that to the Lord to be atoned for your sin. There had to be a bloodshed. 
I like to think of that in our new, in our, <laughs> I have experiences with this, what I'm trying to say. I remember being a young boy and like battling with sin and just the idea of sin and not wanting to do something and then doing it and just grappling with that. And at early age in my Christianity, I used to remember like, I would sin and then I'd be like, okay, well, now I have, to, I have to pray for six hours. I have to read my Bible for six hours and I have to fast for at least like seven days. You know, like I had to like go and make it up to Jesus somehow. And in reality, your performance won't get you anywhere. Your performance won't clean you. It's the tenderness and the brokenness of your heart that he responds to. So above your performance, he desires your heart fully surrendered. I want to say that again. Above your performance, he desires your heart fully surrendered. An undivided heart finds its identity in Christ alone. So let's talk about authority, our next piece here. Tell another little bit of my testimony. Fast forward maybe three years into my time at ministry school. Um, I actually had graduated from school, staying out in the city of Reading and just leading worship at this church um, in Reading super awesome place to be, very influential place. Um, and I was enjoying my time there, just loving the Lord, having friends, doing all that stuff. And slowly for, I can't even really tell you what the root of it was at this point, but at some point, I, I think maybe somebody hurt my feelings, I got offended by something, and, and this bitterness began to arise in my heart. It also didn't help that I made company with misery as well. <laughs> misery loves company, as you, you know the saying. And I found a lot of people around me that were also incredibly bitter towards the Lord, towards the church. There's a lot of this happening right now. There's a lot of people who hate Jesus. <laughs> There's a lot of people who hate people who love Jesus. Um, and so at that point, I, I found myself surrounded with these angry, bitter people. And surrounding yourself with bitter people is like throwing fertilizer on a bed of weeds in your heart. You're growing a garden of weeds. <laughs> and it happens fast. I don't know, I, I, have, I have six acres of property and literally probably five acres of it is just weeds. So I, I'm very familiar with this, but um, yeah, I found myself surrounded by bitter people just fueling the flame of my pain and really making it more of it than I think even I had experienced or you know, making it feel more painful than it truly was. What ended up happening is I started building walls around my heart because of my pain. I, th I thought that these people did me wrong, and so I wanted to protect myself, self-protect. And over a couple of years of this, it destroyed me, like absolutely destroyed, derailed my life, took me out of the ministry entirely. Um, I became majorly depressed, nihilistic, cynical, almost barely believed in God, like had a thread of faith left. And I'll never forget one day, uh, a couple years ago, or I think it was a few years ago, um, shortly after my father passed, my, my brother looked at me and he said, he said, maybe it's time for you to uh, speak to Jesus because he just realized, I mean, he could see it on me. If anybody knew me, you know, I'm a joyful, I was a joyful kid always growing up. I loved just, you know, having fun, doing whatever. Life wasn't serious. But at that point I was broken and I was depressed. And I remember my brother right after dad passing saying, you know, um, maybe you should, you should give this to the Lord. You should talk to the Lord. Um, and so I did. I broke down with the Lord. I gave him my bitterness, and I became weak before him. The Lord gave me his power. And when I say this, I don't say it lightly. I know a lot of times we, you know, talk about the power of the Lord and whatever. I'm not going to go down the road, but I don't say it lightly. This was one of the most important moments of my life. I sat before him. 
And I said, God, why? What is going on? Why am I depressed? Why am I, why am I shielding myself from everyone that wants to love me? Why am I isolated? And he said, you're bitter. He said, you're, you're upset, you're angry, and I need to deal with it. And so I, I sat there for probably two or three hours, um, just under the power of God, literally resting on my shoulders as he peeled away layer after layer of resentment, layer after layer of bitterness. And I've never felt the presence of the Lord like that. And um, I found myself at the end of this, this process with the Lord blessing the people who hurt me. I found myself praying for their children. I found myself praying for their resources. I found myself blessing every part of their life. I would pray the prayers that I would want prayed for me <laughs> over these people that were my enemy. And if you want to uproot a seed of bitterness in your heart, do that. If you want to uproot a seed of resentment and anger, pray for those people. Pray for them like you want to be prayed for, and the Lord will deal with it. It will be dealt with. Your garden of weeds will be cleaned up. <laughs> so let's read uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Let's read that again, my grace. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He doesn't just say my power is present in weakness. He doesn't just say my power is sort of there in your weakness. It's my power is made perfect. The power of the almighty God is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more Glad, gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecution, and calamity. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What an what a amazing, amazing scripture. Absolutely incredible. I think a lot of time we have this tendency of hiding our, brokenesses, our, our brokenness and our weakness from the Lord and from people. But all we're doing when we do that is robbing him an opportunity to show us his power. We're robbing him of an opportunity to show us his nature. So instead, be weak. <laughs> when we hide our weaknesses, we're rejecting his strength. Instead, be weak. Come before the Lord. Don't put up walls. Let him see the places in your heart where you're angry, where you're mad, where you're resentful. He's not scared of it. So a little bit more about how the Lord dealt with me in this. The enemy attacks the area of your life. Uh, oh, sorry. The enemy attacks the area of your strength. Pastor Troy talked about this a few weeks ago, and it's such a true, uh, such an important truth. A lot of times the enemy will create insecurity where you should have security, doubt where you should have conviction. And just to give you an example of this, my name means joyful praise. My mom was talking about name meetings tonight, and I loved it. I was like, hey, what's up? Um, my name means joyful praise. Uh, and my dad's name, I have the same name as my dad, is Dion, and his name means joyful praise as well. And I love how in my life, I mean, I don't know if I love it, but in my life, I saw the opposite of joyful praise happen to me when I was attacked. I saw depression. I saw bondage of anxiety. I saw just nihilism and, and not really wanting to live for much. And to be honest, I saw it with my father too. I saw most of his life He's a great man, wonderful man. He loved me and my brother so well, but I saw most of his life 
really struggle to find um, security and to find, like, to find a real joy. Um, and I just want you to know that when you show God your weaknesses, he has the power to break generational curses. When you show him your weaknesses, <laughs> he has the power to rewrite your lineage. He has the power to rewrite the future generations. He has the power to save your children. He has the power to set people free. <laughs> it's not a light thing. Let's go back. Let's go back to Second uh, Corinthians 12.9. My power is made perfect, <laughs> for your power is made perfect in weakness. It's not just present. It's made perfect. We need to be, we need to be vulnerable with the Lord. We need to show him. We, not, we don't need to build walls. We need to show him where it hurts, show him where our pain is, because that's where the breakthrough is, guys. That's where he comes and he changes everything. <laughs> God says, what the enemy thought would be your weakness, I will use to show my strength. Authority comes when a believer rests on the infinite power of Christ. Because I was weak with the Lord, I now hold authority in my heart. I'm no longer divided. I hold authority in my heart over bitterness, over resentment. I hold authority over my, my joy or the lack of it. Because I was weak with the Lord and I continue to be weak with the Lord, his strength gives me the authority. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in closing, Luke six forty three through 45. For no good... Excuse me. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. The words of Jesus. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. The Lord is asking us to tend the garden place of our hearts, removing idols and bringing him our weaknesses. We must live empty-handed, never clinging to anything but him. Not a job, not a title, not a grudge or an offense, but him alone. This is the way to live with an undivided heart. So as the worship team's coming right now, we're just going to take some time um, in ministry with the Lord because I just really felt, I mean, like I said, I've been weepy. <laughs> and I feel like the Lord is just dealing with me in, in, he's just dealing with my heart. And I know I'm not the only one here. And so I just want to take time to uh, really come and be honest with the Lord. You know, if it's something like a, a bitterness that you've, you've been dealing with or just not feeling like you can say what you want to say to him, he can handle it. He can handle everything. It is time we, we create and, and seek the weakness in our heart and let the walls down. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm the worship team. We'll see. <laughs> I think I will be. Let's do that. <laughs> All right. And if I have any altar ministers here, too, I think that would be really great if you could come up to the front here. And we'll just be ready for a time of ministry with the Lord. 
I'm actually going to sing that song that we sang at the end there because I love that song, Jesus Have It All. That one always gets me the tears falling.
powerful people here. The powerful, the power to break generational curses is in the room tonight. <laughs> the testimony of Jesus is in the room tonight.
so grateful father you brought the power to break generational curses tonight come on give him praise in the room thank you for what he's done check check there we go we're so grateful father thank you for what we've done in our hearts jesus we ask you seal it father yes we ask that you continue to minister us to us father have your way in us throughout the week, Lord. Keep taking us to the place of brokenness. Keep taking us to the place where only you can heal us, Father. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stay in this time. You don't have to leave, but you are dismissed.